This week, as always, we are talking about everything you never knew you wanted to know about Japanese food. And I know for a fact that Allison has been eating some delicious things. I'm so excited. I, I, you have no idea. Ever since you posted the recipe for your black sesame pudding, I have been wanting to make it. And I just haven't had time because I'm kind of drowning in work and trying to get this podcast up every week. So I finally had some time to make it. And oh my gosh, it's so good. So good. I made a double batch because Sun has been asking for it. And he's like, can you just make like a whole huge pot of it for me to eat? So it turned out so well. That just makes me ridiculously happy thank you so freaking good i did come up with that recipe for you guys so Mm. the fact that that you made it puts a smile on my face yay i have some in the fridge right now and i'm just like hmm i'm gonna have to have some after we're done recording (laughs) (laughs) if sun doesn't get to it first you should install a finger trap (laughs) (laughs) i can just hear it he'll be like yelling from the kitchen Gosh darn it, I'm recording. Quiet. What are you doing? <laughs> oh. Huh. Blood, blood! <laughs> 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 wow, we are just tangents. We oh. just go on. <laughs> Speaking of blood. I love it. Um, so, today's topic is completely unrelated to black sesame pudding. But, well... I, I bet you I can find a tie-in because isn't some uh, uh, I bet I know gelatin where you're going with this. Yes, content. Uh, yeah, content, which I think in English they call agar agar or yeah. agar. Ag- yeah, it's made from a type of seaweed. Ha! I knew it. And it's a vegetarian, vegan alternative to gelatin. You use it a bit differently, though, and I'm I'm actually planning on coming up with a version of that black sesame pudding that uses it, because mm-hmm. I've had several people who are vegetarian ask me for that. Right. We just had a commenter leave us a comment on our show notes asking if we've ever used it and how one would use it in your black sesame pudding. Yeah. And it's it's possible. You just have to... It requires a bit different technique, because content sets up firmer than gelatin and it also requires higher heat to get it to dissolve and activate so so it will require some tweaking but you know i am totally willing to sacrifice my time and taste buds and tummy Mm -hmm. space for this cause so so yes i guess it is related to today's topic (laughs) it's totally related so today we are talking about kaiso which is the word for the general uh, category of Japanese seaweed. I think more accurately, sea vegetables. Because they're not weeds. It's the weirdest English word, seaweed. That's very true. I hadn't really thought of it like that. But, I mean, I I 
guess you could consider them weeds in that, I, I don't know, the way that they grow, I, I don't know. But who cultivates weeds? Don't people eat dandelions? And I know there's a, a Vietnamese herb that we actually grow that's considered a weed. Well, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. They're just, the nutritional value of them, though, is so big. And they're, kaiso are such a big part of Japanese cuisine that I'm going with sea vegetable. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. So... The Japanese have been harvesting them for their cooking and their diet for thousands of years, both wild and cultivated. So it, it's a category that is a big part of a basic Japanese pantry. Right. I mean, I cannot imagine Japanese food without seaweed. I mean, you see it in sushi. You see it in the, the wakame salads that you get at Japanese restaurants. You see it in the kombu. It's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's in so many dishes that a lot of time you don't even see it because it's it's a flavor enhancer mm -hmm. very uh, oftentimes because it contains a lot of them uh, the, of the varieties contain natural glutamates, which totally take flavors to a newer level or a <laughs> to, a, to a new level. <laughs> They're used as a source of umami, right? Yes, which and, comes from the glutamates. Right, which is, in this case, a naturally occurring version of MSG, right? Right. Um, it was actually a, a, a Japanese scientist discovered the properties, the natural glutamates, in kombu in the early 1900s, if I'm not mistaken, which led him to produce MSG. Right. Right. So does do the naturally occurring glutamates in seaweed, or as we're saying, sea vegetables, have the same detrimental, well, not really detrimental, but like I, I know some people react poorly to MSG. Would they have the same reactions to the naturally occurring glutamates? They do not. Ah, well then. And the funny thing is, well, it's not really funny. <laughs> I it's I guess it's ironic that things like kombu are so easy to use to produce those natural glutamates mm -hmm. that <sighs> why would you ever want to use MSG? Yes, thank you. <laughs> like seriously. But but I guess it's the same reason in my mind or the same question in my mind is you know, why would you want to buy a can of frosting at the store? Why when, do people buy frozen peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Yeah, when it <laughs> is so flippin' easy to make that stuff at home and it's going to taste better. So much better. And be better for you. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't That's buy our MSG. Spiel. Okay. <laughs> or, as I know a lot of people don't know, but um, also goes by the name Ajinomoto, if you are at a Japanese supermarket ajinomoto is msg which and i only learned most, a few years ago most forms of instant dashi granules it's like chicken bouillon or whatever but mm -hmm. used to make dashi the the basic japanese sea stock most of those instant dashi granules contain msg there are a couple of varieties that 
do not contain MSG. They have they have a form of natural glutamates included, but it's just something to be aware of. Good to know. But okay. back to seaweed, yes. sea vegetables, kaiso. One kind of awesome thing, but by the time this episode comes out, it'll have passed, but there is a nori day. Nori is a one of the types of seaweed we'll be talking about. I think that's so cool. I know. And actually, we know about this because of the awesome Matthew Amsterburton yes. of Spilled Milk. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, totally stalking hey. him and <laughs> was looking through some old articles because I think he had... Um, he had sent on Twitter an article that he wrote about uh, Hanami back when we did our cherry blossom episode about Hanami in Seattle, which is where he lives. And so I was looking through the articles, all of the articles he had written, and he wrote something last year, I believe, about Nori Day. And I was like, hey, we should totally do an episode about that. And it's a bit... A bit more on the obscure side because it's Nori Day in, from what I understand, in one specific tiny Japanese city. <laughs> yeah. Teeny tiny little, yeah. But on April 14th in Shibushi, Japan, it's Nori Day. And it's Nori Day because I'm assuming that the Nori industry is a really big deal there because it's the day is to honor the Nori industry and also to honor a woman whose name is Kathleen Drew Baker, obviously not Japanese. She was an English botanist whose research in red algae led to breakthroughs in the technology that led to the Japanese being able to do large-scale nori cultivation. And so they know her as the mother of the sea, which I think is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big honor for a foreigner to be given that type of title in Japan. That's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Totally. This Kathleen Drew Baker, you rock. Virtual high five. Woohoo. Okay, so how about we talk about some of the major types of sea vegetables that are used in Japanese cuisine? Yes, I think that's an excellent idea. Uh, The first type is actually something that we have already mentioned last week in our pantry, part two pantry episode, and that is kombu. The king of sea vegetables, (laughs) I can't think. The king. Kombu is king. Yes. It really is, though. Just based on how much it's used and how prevalent it is, I mean, I feel like dashi is in every single Japanese recipe that I see. I mean, it's obviously an exaggeration, but still, it's used a lot. And even if you don't, if you're not using dashi, I mean, you still can be adding kombu to something to bump up the flavor. Right. When I make rice in my rice cooker and I'm on top of things, I will add a piece of kombu to the pot because it, it gives an extra added aroma element to the rice and it's so good i've never done that but that does sound really good i think no even even when i'm making like more western style chicken noodle soup Uh (laughs) i add kombu now just because why does this not surprise me at all (laughs) (laughs) but really anything like that these savory dishes can benefit from from what kombu does oh yeah definitely Although I'm going to laugh if I go over to your house one day and you put, like, kombu on pizza. Even if it's amazingly good, I'm still going to be rolling on the floor laughing. 
it would be very Japanese of me. So uh, oftentimes, which is not out of the ordinary. <laughs> so oftentimes it's used to make stocks, right? Or mm-hmm. to give flavor to sauces or whatever. And it can be reused. I really love that. I think that's really cool that you can just, you can use it and make your stock and then roll it up and put it in like a Ziploc and reuse it again. Yeah. And when you make dashi, the first time you use your kombu, the dashi is called ichiban dashi or first time dashi. <laughs> and then the second time you use it, it's called niban dashi or second dashi. The ichiban dashi or the first time dashi is when the dashi flavor is, is really important, when you're not adding a lot of other things to that stock. Uh, niban dashi is, is great for dashi that's being used for you know, even miso soup, because you, you're adding all this other stuff that's going to be covering, masking up any subtleness of flavor that you'd, you'd be wanting to come through in the ichiban dashi. The other thing that you can do with kombu is uh, once you've used it to, say, make your ichiban or niban dashi, it can be simmered and marinated in amazu, which is like a sweet and sour type sauce that's made with like sugar and vinegar and uh, you can add mushrooms and stuff and you can kind of make a kelp relish and it's really good i've never had that but that sounds amazing oh it's so good my favorite recipe for it is in elizabeth ando's book washoku and it's one of the best ways to get the most mileage out of your kombu because i love the concept and she's really good about this but the japanese concept of not letting anything go to waste so even after you know you've made dashi with it you can then chop it up and use it in a relish so right and speaking of um elizabeth ando didn't she have a recipe in kibo for um rolls that yes uh, yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it was the one uh that used the salmon yes you can make them vegetarian too though and just do just the rolls in fact in oden which is a type of nabemono a hot pot they do kombu rolls tied up with usually like a a piece of compio it's a dried the dried gourd mm-hmm. and it's so good now i really want odin especially because i know it's supposed to be raining mm. like in the next couple of days oh, do want i love odin me too and kombu is important for it both yeah the 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 soup the stock and and then for the rolls the kombu rolls so important hello you use it everywhere Okay, so why don't we talk a little bit about about buying it, like what you look for when you're buying kombu at a Japanese supermarket, or like how it looks, for example, because a lot of times you go to a Japanese supermarket and everything's written in Japanese. Hmm, very true. And so I have no idea what all of these different things are. So how do we know what is kombu? What does it look like? Kombu is usually sold in long strips or big pieces it's thicker it's a dark green sometimes or almost black sometimes mm-hmm. and sometimes it's more flat sometimes it has frillier edges sometimes it kind of has a white powder on it it just depends on the variety and how it's packaged and there are different types of kombu too um, and they're named usually for the region where they came from but each has its kind of own distinctive characteristics one of the most basic varieties is dashi kombu and this is perfect for stock making 
you know, dashi kombu, but it's usually from the Hidaka region. This is kind of a the all-purpose kombu. Like if when in doubt, just use this. It has a lower concentration of glutamates, but it still gives great flavor enhancement. It's usually a bit more reasonably reasonably priced. Some of them can get uh, more expensive. But if you're if you're looking for something to add to your pantry, I would say go with the dashi kombu. And we will include photos in the show notes. I'll take a photo of the uh, the one that you told me to get. And if you can get a photo of the ones that you have at home, so people just kind of have a general idea of what they're looking for. Yeah. And really, outside of Japan, well, at least here in the U.S., it can be harder to find different varieties of kombu. So you may only have one or two things to choose from anyways. That's a good point. All right, so let's move on to wakame. Wakame. Sorry. Couldn't help myself. Wakamole! (laughs) And this is where I relate our podcast to the Muppets. Okay, I've been looking forward to this the entire time. (laughs) I really want to know what you're going to (laughs) say. The word wakame makes me think of Fozzie Bear. Any guesses why? Uh, No. Waka, waka, waka! (laughs) (laughs) Phenomena. Okay, sorry, I cannot help myself, but it does every time. Although, see, now I'm wondering if you could make a wakame guacamole and how that would taste. Because I bet it, it, it could be done. Because wakame, I mean, it's, it's not like hugely, it doesn't have a, like a really strong flavor. So you could totally like chop it up in, you know, small pieces and use it as like a texture thing. Yeah. Though, you know what would definitely work is a wakame, avocado, cucumber, daikon, I don't know, like variety of stuff, sunomono, like a vinegared salad. Mm -hmm. That would be good. Because the creamy avocado with the vinegar and then the crunch and (gasps) kind of the spinachiness of the wakame would be Mm -hmm. really good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's actually talk about what wakame is. Obviously, it's a type of seaweed or sea vegetable, since this is our seaweed episode. But you are probably the most familiar with it as the seaweed that you get in your miso soup. Yes. (laughs) It's like once it's been rehydrated and cooked, it's this beautiful bright green. But it's usually sold dried, especially in the States. It looks all shriveled and kind of almost black, really super dark green. You soak it in warm water for like 10 minutes and and it expands incredibly. (laughs) It's like one of those uh, little sponge capsules. Did you ever buy those as a kid (laughs) that you dissolve and they like turn into little sponge animals or something? (laughs) We used to get those for Christmas. Yeah. Wakame (laughs) is the edible version of one of those. (laughs) It starts like you you start with a pinch and it looks like nothing. And then all of a sudden (laughs) it's a ton. (laughs) Okay. Do you have any pictures or can you get pictures of what it looks like in the package? Because that's something that's always confused me. Because when you see it in salads or in your miso soup, it's very bright. And I've, I've gone to Japanese supermarkets looking for that and just like, ah. I don't know what it is and I don't know where to find yes. it. And I don't know if this stuff that I'm looking at is really what I'm looking for. 
Yes, I have so. some, and I'll I'll take some pictures. Maybe I'll awesome. do like a like a step by step showing how it goes from that what it looks like great. in the package to what it looks like in a little white bowl to adding the water and kind of the how it changes because it's really quite the transformation. <laughs> That would be wonderful because, yeah, that's one of those things that I've wanted to buy wakame, but just never really knew how to go about doing it. And I always have it because it's one of my favorite things. It's and so it's good. so it's so easy to use, too. Mm-hmm. So the other way you or one of the other ways you can find it is preserved in salt. But I don't see that so much here. Interesting. And then in Japan, you can also find it fresh during the springtime and then it's just a total treat. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, isn't wakame the main seaweed that you find in quote-unquote seaweed salad? Yes. When I mean, you can buy the little tubs of it at, at most Japanese supermarkets, or even most Asian supermarkets, I think. It's a little bright green seaweed salad. Yeah, it depends on the seaweed salad, but yes. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really good for you, too. Yeah, that's the, the fun thing about seaweed in general is that it's really good for you. Yeah, like most of them have calcium, carotene, fiber, a bunch of different vitamins. Kind of awesome. Again, why I think it deserves to be called sea vegetable instead <laughs> of seaweed. Yes, so good for you. And so yummy. Love and it. totally underappreciated here in the U.S. yes. Totally. Because, especially with wakame, I mean, talk about a cost-effective way to add vitamins and bulk to your food. Seriously. Because a pack of wakame is really cheap, and just a pinch of it reconstituted is a ton. I mean, it expands so much that you're really getting a lot from a small package of wakame. And then you're getting all that calcium and those vitamins and minerals and good stuff. Okay. Now, I I can't help myself. I love this one. Me too. Because I use it so much. Uh, The next type of seaweed, sea vegetable, that we want to talk about is nori. And this is the one that I always, always, always have a ton of in my apartment. Me too. It's kind of ridiculous how much I have. Though I just have a ridiculous amount of maybe all of these types of sea vegetables. But that makes more sense for you because you can't get it as easily as I can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So nori. Nori is the type of seaweed that you probably associate with sushi. Yeah. They're the the strips of seaweed or the sheets of seaweed, I mean, that look kind of like paper. Green paper. (laughs) (laughs) They're very brittle in general. But that's good. But it, yeah, it, it's really good. It means you can fold them to, you know, you can fold them in half or whatever mm-hmm. to change the size. Right. It's very useful. <laughs> and they're really, really thin. It's much thinner than, say, kombu, for example. So you use it in sushi to make rolls, make the makizushi. Mm-hmm. Onigiri. <laughs> that's, we, that's where it gets its use most often at my house. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they crumble it up and put it on top of stuff as like a condiment or a seasoning. Furikake nori would kind of fall under this category, right? Yes. And that's really small bits of nori mixed with other stuff, depending on what kind you get. 
And actually, one of my girls' favorite snacks falls under this category as well. They love something called kangoku nori, which translated means Korean nori. It's the um, best. But it's little, oh, what do you say, like two inch by four inch yeah. pieces of nori that are a little bit thinner. You, sometimes you can kind of see through them. They've got little holes or whatever. And they mm-hmm. are toasted and seasoned with sesame oil and sea salt. They're so good. And they are, they, they sell them in little um, like plastic pouches of, I don't know, 20 sheets a thing, you know? So, mm-hmm. so you can open up a pack and sit there and eat all 20 sheets in two seconds flat. Pretty much. At least, at least that's what we do. And <laughs> so it's like, kind of like the sea vegetable version of potato chips. Yeah, it really is. Except with way less guilt. Oh yeah. I can eat that and be like, oh, I can have another package. It's fine. I'm being well, yeah, healthy. Like, one package has what twenty calories or something, oh, or less. It's like I mean, it's nothing. And so, all those nutrients—it's so good for you. Yeah. Whereas I almost never let my children have potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a very special occasion. Yes. I always have packs of this on hand, and you know, they're being good. Special af- afternoon treat. Okay, yeah. I don't know if if this is true for all locations, but I know that the Costco near us sells this kind of nori. Our Costco just started carrying it as well. Awesome. Okay, so maybe your Costco does too. If you have a Costco near you, you can go look and see if they have this, or you could probably even request it, since I know there are quite a few, at least around us, who do carry it. And then for the US, if you've got a Trader Joe's near you, they have their own. And then uh, some of the markets like Whole Foods and Sprouts and places like that have it as well. The only thing you should be aware of is that if you buy it like at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods, something like that, you usually end up buying it by the pack and they can charge up to like $1.50 per pack, which is ridiculous. Because you buy it at an Asian market or at Costco and you're paying a lot less per pack. <laughs> oh, seriously. I mean, that, that's why I love having Asian markets around because stuff is so much cheaper there just in general. Yeah, And the way we go through it, we would <laughs> bankrupt ourselves just on Kangoku Nori. So <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Have you had the Japanese version, I guess, where they're thinner strips. They're more like one inch by three inches. Sometimes they're flavored. I know there's like teriyaki flavor. Yeah. Okay. They have all yeah, kinds of flavors. Or like they have a lot of shoyu type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They tend to be a lot stronger flavored and they're a bit thicker. They're not as thin. Yes. And lacy. Yeah, definitely. The Korean. Yeah. There's definitely a difference. But yeah, I grew up on those. We used to get like they're a still big old good. jar of them. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They sell those a lot in... um like a plastic jar mm-hmm. canister type thing. Yeah. We would get those Which, and we would eat them with rice for dinner. That's dangerous though, because once you open that thing, it's way too easy to finish off the entire jar. <laughs> Whereas at least Do you with- know this from experience. No, <laughs> actually I met up with, this was a while back, but I met up with Nancy from a communal table and Marla from family fresh cooking 
we met at the food court of the Mitsuwa in Costa Mesa just to have lunch and I had the girls and we did some shopping in the market first and Marla bought one of those canisters and she opened it while we were waiting for our food to to come and and offered it to the girls and our group literally consumed that whole thing sitting there between the five of us. I can totally see that happen. And these are not small canisters. I mean, there's probably what, like, a hundred sheets in there? Yeah. Something like that? But there's way less substance to them than, say, true. a bag of potato chips. Very true. Yeah. But I mean, still. you can just go through them. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I guess I do know it from experience. <laughs> and that's why the little Korean packages, even though it's less environmentally friendly. <laughs> it's much um, more family friendly. And it's really <laughs> much better for personally my self control. <laughs> yeah, same for us. We we just go through it. I mean we'll put it we'll eat it with rice. We'll put it in ramen. I will sometimes make what I call super ghetto sushi and get a bowl of rice and mix up a can of tuna with a little bit of mayonnaise, maybe a little bit of like sriracha or something. Mm. And just scoop a little rice, scoop a little tuna into one of those little sheets of seaweed and eat it. It's like a Japanese taco. <laughs> it is. But not taco as in octopus taco. Taco <laughs> as in T-A-C-O taco. Yeah. <laughs> we are the most confusing people. Yes, we are. Like a Mexican taco. Except a Japanese Mexican taco. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's not confusing at all. Taco, taco, Mexican taco, Japanese, Mexican taco. Yeah. Ooh, yee. You could totally put octopus in one of those. Then you could have a Japanese, Mexican taco, taco. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) I could not put that together. (laughs) And if you are still keeping up with us and understanding what we mean, you should go out and get some ice cream or something. (laughs) You deserve it. (laughs) Oh, I want ice cream. No, I want pudding. That's what I want. (laughs) Okay, so should we move on? That's probably for the best. Okay, next up is Hijiki. And actually, we had someone ask us on Twitter what they could do with Hijiki. Wow, I totally missed that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, okay. She wrote something in Japanese. That's why I missed that. Oh, did she? I didn't notice. At Miso Talk, something in Japanese. What can I do with Hijiki? I don't know what the something in Japanese was. (laughs) Sorry, I'm completely useless here. Yeah, you are. I know. Oh, it just says hijiki. Oh, okay. (laughs) In hiragana, so. Gotcha. Okay, hijiki. What is hijiki? I mean, we know it's a sea vegetable, but... Yeah, it's this... Well, when it's growing, it's brown. It's usually grown wild. It's a sea vegetable. (laughs) (laughs) How is this used? Because... I'm not sure if I'm familiar with it. Or maybe I've had it and I just don't know it. Because I'm looking at your notes and I'm completely confused as to what this is. Well, you have to reconstitute it like wakame. Mm -hmm. So it's reconstituted and then it's usually chopped up and mixed into rice. You know, so if you see like black flecks or in something, it might be there. Or um, added as extra flavor in sauces and stuff. 
But sometimes, too, it's added to, like, salads. I'm trying to think. Like, there's a recipe that I've made before. I can't remember what it's I'm totally blanking on what it's called. Hold on. And I'll find the name. Okay. Yeah, it's called Hijiki no Nimono. It's a real classic dish where you um, you soak the hijiki and then you kind of quickly saute it in some oil. And then you add like julienned carrots, thinly like almost shredded carrots to the pan. And then you can add like some people drizzle in sake. You add a bit of dashi and then uh, you simmer it. And then you can add sesame seeds, a little bit of soy sauce, sugar, you know, to sweeten it up or whatever. I've seen it with simmered soybeans added to it. So it's almost like a like a vegetable side dish or a warm salad. But you, you find it in um, bento a lot hmm. or even at like as a as a dish at an izakaya. I still don't know if I've actually ever had it. I mean, I'm sure I probably have, but I just... I'm having the worst time trying to come up with any specific memories of what it looks like or having eaten it. We'll have to look up some pictures to jog yes, your memory. Definitely. And we'll have to um, include some recipes well, yeah. for everything, but especially for that. One of the things, and I actually wrote about this oh, years ago before my blog was a food blog, but there is this piece of Japanese folklore kind of an old old wives tale that says that if you eat hijiki that your hair will become glossy and black which is a sign of health in Japanese culture and so I wrote this whole post kind of based around this piece of folklore you know it's like I guess it's similar to an apple a day keeps the doctor away right uh-huh. <laughs> so your mom's gonna say eat your hijiki <laughs> I don't know if there's any truth in that but it is really high in dietary fiber it's rich in uh, essential minerals like calcium iron stuff like that but (laughs) one thing that people should be aware of is that there are a bunch of warnings that have been issued by various governments about hijiki because it's considered by many to be dangerous for consumption because it has high levels of inorganic arsenic that are naturally (laughs) present in it so it's it's really good for you but also possibly really bad for you yeah and uh, there are disagreements on this like elizabeth ondo says that it's unfortunate that there have been these warnings released and eden foods sells it still sells it i believe anyway so you know there are various people who are very knowledgeable that say when used right it shouldn't be a problem but it's just one of those things where Basically, you should be making your own judgment call. However, the Food Standards Agency in Britain released a warning in, back in 2004. And one of the things they noted is that the levels of arsenic were especially high in the liquid the remaining after, you know, like the liquid you soak the hijiki in. But the point of that is important to note because the Japanese always discard that soaking liquid. Whereas with other things that you might soak, like uh, shiitake mushrooms, a lot of times you retain that soaking liquid because it adds incredible flavor to, to stocks and things. But with hijiki, the Japanese always dis- discard that soaking liquid. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. So Japan's Ministry of Health, Labor and Welfare, as it's called, has actually stated that there, they say there are no records of cases of arsenic poisoning as a result of the arsenic content of sea vegetables. So it's kind much, of it's probably okay because most of us probably won't even be eating it at the amounts that 
Japanese people do. Yeah, and really, you wouldn't be using it in large amounts because it just, I don't think it would really taste all that great. You know, in small amounts, it adds flavor and texture mm-hmm. and a lot of dietary benefits. Right. So kind moral of, of the story is throw away the uh, soaking liquid. But Yeah, and don't gorge yourself. I mean, kind yeah. of the same reason that they're telling you to watch your consumption of some types of seafood because of mercury levels. Mm-hmm. So Very true. You know, whatever. Make your own judgment call. I'm going to eat mine so that my hair will be glossy and black. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Mm. I I think you might need a little more than is healthy to uh, achieve that. Or just some good hair dye. Though, (laughs) I think I would look really funky with black hair. (laughs) No matter how much I want to be Japanese. (laughs) So, if you're really concerned about the whole arsenic thing, there is an alternative, and this is something that's suggested by Elizabeth Ondo, and it's another type of of sea vegetable called arame. It looks a lot like hijiki. It's sold dried. It's in these, you know, skinny little sliver-type-looking things. Um, And it's got a similar flavor and texture to hijiki, but Elizabeth Ondo says, and I I would agree, she prefers the flavor of hijiki, which almost has like a, a anise hint of anise flavor to it but again if you're concerned there are no warnings that have been issued on autumn (laughs) so you do the same thing you you soak it in warm water you have to do it like 20 to 30 minutes which is a little bit longer than i would normally soak hijiki so it takes a little longer and it won't expand whereas hijiki does hijiki expands like wakame but it will become kind of softer and more pliable. So you soak it and drain it, rinse it in cold water, and yeah, you're ready to go. Always nice to have alternatives. Okay, last type of seaweed, or sorry, sea vegetable, that we are talking about today is aonori. Which means, literally means, blue seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> and you usually see this like in a almost powdered form, like in little packets, because... They sprinkle it on top of all kinds of things. But if you've ever seen like this really bright green, almost bluish powder on things like, say, yakisoba or okonomiyaki, takoyaki, uh, that is aonori. And they, speaking of potato chips, also have uh, Japanese potato chips that have this sprinkled on them and they're really good. Mm. Sometimes it's also one of the seven seasonings in Japanese seven spice, the shichimi togarashi or uh, nanami togarashi. It's just got a lot of flavor. It's good. Good stuff. And it's good for you. Just (laughs) eat your sea vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, eat your sea vegetables. And contact us. Yeah. And then come say hi. We have all sorts of ways that you can contact us. You can find us on Twitter at MisoTalk. We have a Facebook fan page where you can come and leave comments. We always respond over there. You can email us at misohungrypodcast at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a message at 657-4-MISOFI. That's 657-464-7639. If you are not in the United States and would like to call in, you can call our Skype account, Miso Hungry Podcast, it's all one word, and leave us a message there. 
whether you call us on the phone or on Skype, we might just include uh, your call on the podcast. So call us, leave us messages. We can't wait to hear from you. And of course, we are always on our website. We have our show notes there. We have our taco tidbits there. We've even got some recipes there now. That is at misofy.com. That's M-I-S-O-F-Y dot com. And as we do every week, we are begging you, please, pretty please, with sugar and cherries on top, give us readings and reviews on iTunes. I'm not desperate, really. <laughs> Sorry. Just a little bit. Maybe. I'm Allison Day. And I'm Rachel Hutchings. And you've been listening to the Me So Hungry podcast. The podcast that encourages you to eat your sea vegetables because they're good for you. You know, growing up, I always wanted a blue eyes. Just, I don't know. I wanted blue eyes. And there was some picture that Sun took of me not very long ago. And for some reason, the light in the room or something made my eyes look like they were like a light blue color. And I looked so freaky. It was the weirdest thing. You know, I've heard that if you eat large amounts of potato chips and Wonder Bread and Twinkies and stuff that you turn white and have blue eyes <laughs> okay well then i'll go that direction you eat a lot of hijiki and we'll see where we end up uh, that's just a bad idea in so many ways <laughs> you also gain like 30 pounds i'll end up really fat you'll end up with arsenic <laughs> poisoning yeah this is gonna end really well okay so uh seaweed sea vegetables Let's okay. move on.